Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local, or national, but doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets the Daily Show meets C-SPAN, so let's get this show started. Back to another edition of Ballots and Brews. Uh, as always, we have a packed show tonight talking about the latest and greatest happenings in local and state government. Um, but of course, before we do any of that, uh, before we do any talk, especially about things happening at the state legislature, we are going to start like we always do with beer. Um, and we are so fortunate tonight uh, to have with us Mr. Sean Ryan, the owner of Ryan's Pub here in Topeka. Sean, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for folks that may have been around uh, to be good for a little while, they may uh, know your location previously as the 20s. Uh, can you talk a little bit kind of about the history of your location, kind of how it, uh, how it became Ryan's today? Yeah, actually, uh, this particular location's been a bar in Topeka for about 50 years. It started out as a, a members only club called the library. Oh, nice. <laughs> And yeah, back in back in the day. And then in the early 70s, it was changed to the 20s and it held that name through a couple of different owners for about 40 years. Um, my wife, Christy, and I purchased it uh, back in late 2018. Okay. And we, we changed the names to Ryan Pub. That's awesome. Have, had it always been your, your dream to, to open up a bar? You know, it's always been something in the back of my mind and the opportunity came up. So, uh, you know, why not why not take that chance and, and uh, see what happens? Yeah, absolutely. What, what were you doing before? Before, uh, before running a bar, um, I used to be a, uh, a VP of a manufacturing company here in Topeka. Oh, okay, very cool. So this is a, this is a, this is a nice little transition, nice uh, nice gig for you. Yeah, it is. You know, it's uh, it is nice to be your own boss. Um, and move at your own pace. So I enjoy it. Absolutely. Well, you know, when, when folks come in to visit you, what kind of feel can they expect uh, when they come in? And you know, what are you what are you guys most proud of when, uh, at your location? You know, we uh, we are a very uh, local neighborhood bar. We have a great base of regulars. Um, so we like to think of ourselves as kind of a cheers type atmosphere. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're most proud of the changes that we've made. Um, you know, it was uh, it was a pretty standard bar when we took it over. We really wanted to push the Irish theme. So we've done a lot of renovations in there, redone the bathrooms, et cetera. And uh, here in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be redoing the back bar area, which will make a, a massive um, improvement to the to pub feel and the pub look. Oh, that's awesome. I was going to say, yeah, I have been I had been in in there a long time ago, back when it was the, the 20s. And, and I remember I was out one night and some friends uh, said, hey, we're going to go over to, to Ryan's. And I said, where's Ryan's? Well, he went. I was totally blown away. It looked a lot different than last time I had been in there. Yeah, yeah. We put a lot of time and effort into it. And uh, we get a lot of compliments from uh, from our regulars and others that, that haven't seen it in a while. That's awesome. Uh, you know, of course, we should, as we're talking about, we should uh, let people know. Do you want to let them know the location where you guys are located at? Yeah. Yeah, we're in the Brookwood Shopping Center. Um, you might, if you're not familiar with it, might know it as the uh, the Dillons that puts the big Santa Claus on top of the roof <laughs> every year. So uh, it's it's been around for quite a while. Absolutely, man. That is a the side note. It is a deal when they put that Santa Claus up. It's a production. I've learned out there when they put that up every year. Yeah, it, it takes a crane. It's quite the undertaking. Right. Absolutely. Uh, well, for uh, for folks who uh, who stop by to visit um, each week, are there any kind of regular drink specials that you guys have? Yeah, we, um, you know, we don't have uh, a restaurant um, or a full kitchen, so we try to price our drinks very competitively. Sure. And uh, we do run uh, specials, 12-ounce domestic bottles for only two seventy-five every Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then we run our well drinks on special for only three twenty-five on Mondays and Thursdays. And those, those just run all day. Oh, nice. Well, that's, and that, that's, that location there is, is perfect, too, because if folks do want to grab a, a bite to eat, you know, they can go, or either they go to Burger Stand across the way, or if they go to any of the restaurants on 29th, and then they can stop by, stop by your location. Absolutely. And, you know, we don't 
there's a lot of people that actually order pizzas in or order food in or get their food and bring it in. You know, we're not in competition for that. So we welcome you to bring your own food in and enjoy some drinks and company in our pub. Oh, that's perfect. That's awesome. Uh, Well, you know, of course, uh, we've got, you know, looking ahead the next couple months, there's St. Patrick's Day and all kinds of good stuff going on or any events that you're looking forward to um, in the future to say anything in general you're looking forward to at the location. Yeah, sure. I mean, St. Patrick's Day is uh, it's a really big day for our pub. I mean, it has been a tradition there. Even uh, the previous owner uh, really, really pushed the Irish theme. And on St. Patrick's Day, you know, we bring in the Kansas Territorial Pipes and Drums for a performance. They do an awesome job and, and usually pack the house. Oh, nice. um, and, you know, we, we do participate in the parade, but I haven't gotten confirmation on, on whether that's going to occur or not this year. You know, it's kind of up in the air. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and shoot, you know, it makes it, it good there. On 29th Street, folks can kind of make a, a day of it if they started, you know, maybe at one end at Happy Bassett and can come down the street, come to your location, get a couple of different places there on 29th Street now. Yeah, it's a it's a fun day for sure. We really look forward to it. And, uh, you know, we run lots of drink specials for that day as well. So it's a fun time. People people love St. Patrick's Day. Absolutely. I think Topeka really loves St. Patrick's Day, which I think is awesome. Yeah, that they really do. You're right. It's a. Uh, it's probably one of the, the biggest party days here in Topeka, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that'd be a great place to, to come out to, to celebrate. Well, of course, we know, um, too, that you know, lawmakers have uh, been looking at all kinds of, of different things when it comes to booze in Kansas in the, in the last year and, and have made it known that they're looking at future you know, uh, potential changes and that sort of thing when it comes to some of our state's uh, liquor laws and whatnot. You know, has that, have you seen any impact on, on your business at all? Um, or are there things that you're hoping that uh, those legislature might consider that might make uh, business easier for you guys you know a lot of the th- things they tried to do really didn't pertain to us because again we don't we don't have a, a restaurant or a kitchen um, so a lot of their their laws they passed were for to go and curbside type service which really didn't fit us um, but it's great for our, our competitors and friends we have a lot of friends in other bar business and and we know it helped them and we're grateful for that um, probably the one thing we got out of it was you know they were pushing for extra seating we did get to expand to an outside area which previously did not have at this location. So, uh, so now we're able, people can enjoy the outdoors if it's a nice day or if they go out to smoke, they can take their drink with them and have a small outside area to uh, enjoy the day. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and of course, you know, I should ask too, uh, with, with COVID, of course, you know, things are, are up and down. And, and right now, of course, fortunately, really up with COVID. Has that impacted uh, your guys' business at all? You know, like I say, we have a, we have a great following of regulars. Um, and, you know, a lot of them have gone ahead and got the vaccination and that's great. And we, we haven't, you know, knock on wood, had any outbreaks or issues um, in our pub and hopefully we'll remain that way. And everybody's, you know, conscious of if they're not feeling well, they stay away and stay home. Sure. So, you know, we just encourage everybody to take those precautions and uh, I think we'll get by. All right. Absolutely. And, you know, that's I think I feel like that's a good goal for us. You know, if we do what we need to do, we can celebrate and party with you guys on St. Patrick's Day. I feel like that's a good community goal right there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Before we wrap up to anything else. Uh, that you would like people to know about your location? You know, I just would say that, you know, uh, we are a great neighborhood, local pub. There's a lot of uh, housing around us and it's close to home for a lot of people. We just try to, you know, give that family atmosphere of, of feeling warm and cozy. We do have a pool table and a dartboard and some and some table games to keep people entertained. And so, you know, we just encourage people to come in there and, and socialize and put the phone down for a little bit and get to know some people and and uh, have a good time without without technology. Absolutely. That is a, that is a really good point. Absolutely. And, and folks, again, we'll encourage you to check them out over there in uh, in the Brookwood uh, Shopping Center. Lots of really good stuff um, going on over there right now that you can check out. And not the least of which is, is stopping by um, at Ryan's Pub. So, Sean, thanks for, for hanging out with us tonight. Yeah, it's been great. I appreciate you uh, once again contacting us and let us uh, join you on your show. Absolutely. Oh, and we should ask, is there any uh, social media or a website or anything like that that people should check out for you guys? Um, we do have a website, um, ryanspubtopeka.com. And then you can also find us on Facebook. Very cool. So there you go, folks. Ryanspub.com. And also look them up on Facebook to keep up with the latest and greatest happenings over there. Uh, well, folks uh, listening in there, go ahead and stay tuned. Up next, we are going to have our beer flight of the night world. Recap all the latest and greatest happenings in local government. You are listening to Ballads and Brews here on KSET 785 Live Radio.
785 Magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now. And we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at 785live.com. And thanks for tuning in. All right, folks, it is time for our beer flight of the night, where we recap the latest and greatest happenings in local and state government. We're going to start tonight with the Parking Pale Ale. Uh, in a victory for the spare change challenge like myself, uh, the city council voted Tuesday night to reverse the decision they actually made back in October um, to resume charging for parking um, at parking meters along designated blocks of Kansas Avenue, actually on the side streets um, along Kansas Avenue. Um, now, this change is only temporary meaning that they are going to reassess in May. Um, but until then, you are going to see those bright yellow bags go back on um, those parking meters that are located on several of those side streets off of Kansas Avenue, and you will no longer have to feed the meters um, at those parking spots, which is not a moment too soon, uh, says the guy here who has a parking ticket that he needs to pay off. Uh, the vote passed a 7-2. to two. One of the council members who opposed the proposal was actually Councilwoman Karen Hiller, uh, whose district includes down town and felt that not enough stakeholders had been consulted before the proposal was brought up. Uh, now, the whole reason for moving back to charging people um, back in the fall came really down to economic necessity. Um, and looking at the impact of the pandemic on the city budget, um, the city was facing quite a, a shortfall in their budget and decided this would be one way to generate revenue to start charging for parking again. Um, it was predicted that resuming um, charging for parking could bring in as much as $100,000 in revenue. It's a lot of coins, y'all. Um, now, of course, the issue of parking downtown has been much discussed, especially with all the recent revitalization efforts that have occurred downtown. Um, so actually, Tuesday night's meeting, Councilman Dobler asked for city staff to provide an update on the city's parking plan. Uh, so there could be even more changes coming to parking in the downtown area at some point here in the future. But at least um, until uh, until the, for the next couple months, you can rest assured that the smart car of doom, uh, that's why I call it a little cars that the meter people drive. Uh, those cars will leave you alone um, on the side streets until uh, for now. Uh, next up on our beer flight is the Fix the Streets Wheat. Uh, now, I don't know about you all, but if I had a dollar for every time I heard someone complain about a city street or a pothole, uh, let's just say I probably wouldn't be hosting a podcast right now. That's actually not true. I would be hosting my podcast from a much more tropical destination. Uh, now, of course, roads are always a hot topic of discussion, so you all will be glad to know that the city did approve dropping a cool $7.6 million on street repairs courtesy of the half-cent sales tax. Uh, now, if you remember back to last year, we talked about all those acronyms, the CIP, the CIB. Uh, you get extra credit if you remember what those are. This is really like Sesame Street for a state government, y'all. It's like Sesame Street with booze. Um, but those uh, acronyms are the Capital Improvement Program and the Capital Improvement Budget. Those are those big long-term planning documents the city uses to plan out their street projects. Um, they include a number of road projects which are then brought forth to the city council for approval. So, coming up this year, here are some of the locations you'll be seeing uh, your road work happen at. Um, first, we have what are called those mill and overlay projects. That's right, we're dropping some vocab on you all tonight. Um, basically, okay, so think of some of the jankiest streets you can think of in town. Uh, what mill and overlay does is it removes the top layer of the asphalt from the road and then lays down new asphalt. Um, it's basically a way of being able to treat road about having to replace the whole dang thing. Um, this is usually the road work that you can smell coming from a mile away, literally. Uh, but in the end, you get nice, smooth streets again. Um, this is going to be happening to some neighborhood streets between 21st and 29th Street and between the Urish and Kings Row area, so kind of that westernmost part of town. Um, it's also going to happen on places like Southeast Gary Ormsby Drive, uh, the part east of Topeka Boulevard. Uh, there's actually going to be some priority to get that work done pretty early uh, because that is also uh, the road that leads to uh, Heartland Park, uh, so they want to get that work done uh, prior to Country Stampede happening this summer. Um, another big uh, road project you'll see is 29th Street um, from Arrowhead to Shunga. Um, so that part of uh, 29th Street that runs in the south part of the town right there. So a couple things to look forward to. Uh, there's a couple places where they're just going to flat out take out and repair some of the, the replace some of the pavement. Um, and a lot of these are actually 
actually on the east side of town. Um, we're talking about uh, Southeast California, where that meets up with I-70, um, the portion of Southeast Golden that is north of 21st Street, um, as well as 6th Avenue, actually over on the west side from Oakley to McVicker. Uh, so we're giving you all a heads up now, so in case you're like me and you get a little road rage, uh, not road rage, road discontentment. Um, that's the better term we're going to use. You have time to prepare yourself uh, before they'll set in this summer. Uh, next up on our beer flight is the Who Wants to Sub Sour? Uh, because we are still in the midst of COVID palooza across the state, schools are now facing a unique issue. They are literally running out of people to teach. Uh, as the Omicron variant works its way through schools and is taking out teachers left and right, meaning that school districts have been desperate to try and fill spots so that someone can, you know, be around to teach kids. Uh, the State Board of Education came to the rescue last week by passing an emergency rule that waives a typical requirement to be a substitute teacher, which calls for having a minimum of 60 semester credit hours from a regionally accredited college or university. So from now through June 1st, in order to be a substitute teacher for a Kansas school district, you just need to be 18 years old, have a high school diploma, pass a background check, and, you know, actually fill out the application. That's it. So as long as you graduate high school and can pass a background check and fill out a form, you can get yourself a nice little side hustle these days, educating the youth of today. Only slightly terrifying, but desperate times, right? Uh, this is also the latest in a list of examples of ways that local communities are trying to respond to COVID in light of restrictions that the legislature placed uh, last year and how we respond. Uh, remember last week we talked about the measure that the legislature put into place that allows aggrieved citizens to sue their counties over mask mandates or other public health orders. Uh, what the legislature also took aim last year at school districts by restricting the amount of time they can spend on remote education. Um, under legislation passed last year, school districts cannot offer more than 40 hours of remote learning to any student enrolled in person. So, in light of rising COVID cases that are taking teachers out of school for quarantines, school districts are faced with the prospect now of either having to close completely, uh, which some districts have done temporarily, or trying to bring in substitutes to fill the void since remote education is now off the table. Um, hence why the state board made their emergency rule last week. So when we talk about things the legislature does and how they impact our lives, y'all, this is the kind of thing we're talking about. Uh, interestingly, on tonight's show, we do have State Representative Fred Patton, who actually chaired the special committee last year that looked at the Kansas Emergency Management Act uh, that made changes to uh, some of the powers that local communities have in emergency situations. So we're going to ask him tonight how he feels that's going. And last but certainly not least, our main event, we have our redistricting IPA, the, the big kahuna of legislative issues this session, of course, is by far redistricting. Uh, as a reminder, last year we got to take part in the decennial census, i.e. the sexiest constitutional requirement in Article 1 of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, now that the numbers are in, it is up to the state legislature to draw new districts at the state and federal levels. Uh, in the words of now President Biden, this is a big effing deal. Uh, how districts are drawn on these maps influences who gets elected and what level of representation you have. Now, first off, before we get into the details of where we're at, we got we got to get a little nerdy and we got we got to talk about some background stuff because this is a little pretty. This could be a complex issue. Um, so. Grab a beer, sit tight, and we're going to talk about how this all works. Uh, when it comes to drawing congressional districts, there are some requirements that are related to population and anti-discrimination. The Constitution actually requires that districts be drawn as nearly equal in population as possible, and your maps cannot intentionally discriminate on the basis of race by basically diluting the vote of minority members of your community. Uh, in Kansas, we also have some additional standards for how we look at our congressional districts. Uh, so we look at how contiguous a district is, which basically means everything has to connect. You can't form islands or just have a section out there just hanging out there on its own. Uh, we also look at preserving political subdivisions. That means not splitting up cities or counties, um, as well as uh, preserving communities of interest. Uh, that's a key term. That means geographic areas like neighborhoods or cities or regions that have a common interest that should be kept together. Um, in addition, we're also supposed to look at preserving the core of prior districts, which basically means that we're not supposed to radically change the shape of our districts too much from year to year. 
uh, when it comes to state legislative districts, we do all that, uh, but we also look for compactness in our districts, uh, meaning that there has to be a fairly minimum distance uh, between all parts of the district. Um, and we also try really hard not to create new districts that would pit incumbents against each other. So we don't want to combine two districts, for instance, into one where both those, those uh, representatives are going to have to compete against each other. Now, should bears mention that the last go we had at this in Kansas was, uh, how do we put this, uh, special. Uh, so the legislature actually was never able to finalize maps in 2012 uh, following the 2010 census. Um, so the maps actually went to a panel, panel of federal district court judges. Um, it was actually quite an ordeal and all in all pretty embarrassing. Um, and remember, we live with these districts for 10 years until the next census. So the districts we're deciding on now, we're going to live with until 2032. Uh, now, of course, politics isn't officially supposed to play a role in redistricting. But we're all big boys and girls here, so we know how this works. If your party has a chance to redraw districts that could help you win the next election, you're probably going to take it. Uh, you've most likely heard the word gerrymandering uh, out there. That's what we try to avoid in processes like this. I want to stress that gerrymandering is a caution and not a goal. Uh, some people would do well to remember that. Uh, gerrymandering refers to the process of going out of your way to draw districts to favor your party. And it basically ends up with getting congressional districts in certain parts of our country that look like anything from an octopus to a serpent um, to any matter of contortions that are done to try and scoop up uh, pockets of voters that are favorable to your party. All things that, again, we're trying to avoid uh, in the state of Kansas. So against the backdrop of all of that, we are beginning our redistricting process. And of course, time is of the essence here uh, because it's an election year. So by November, we need to know what our districts are going to look like. Um, and so knowing that, here are, here's the realities that legislators are uh, facing. So as a reminder, just so everyone knows, we have four congressional districts in Kansas. Uh, the first uh, comprises about two-thirds of the geographic area of the state, uh, going up from the Nebraska border to the Oklahoma border, with the exception of South Central Kansas, that one's carved into another district, um, and west from the Colorado border to about the Fort Riley, Manhattan-ish area. Um, the big first, as that district is sometimes known. Uh, the second district, uh, which is basically a, kind of a narrow sliver from Nebraska to Oklahoma and west from Manhattan to the Douglas County-ish area. Uh, we have the third district, which is essentially just a greater Kansas City area, Johnson and Wyandotte counties, and maybe a little bit of uh, Miami County, I think, too. Um, and the fourth district down in South Central Kansas, which is the Wichita area, um, plus uh, some of those counties south of uh, which are of Hutchinson and Reno County in that area. Uh, now remember, one of the rules is we have to have relatively equal populations in our districts. That, of course, is why the Big First is so big, because out in western Kansas, the population's a little sparse out there, so we have to scoop up more land mass to get a population to equal out the other, uh, uh, the other districts in the state. Uh, well, the data is in from the census, and what we know is our rural areas are losing population to our urban centers. Um, so that first congressional district is likely going to need to get a little bit bigger um, to scoop up more population, um, and we'll need to do some rebalancing across the other three uh, districts to balance out our population. Seems simple enough, right? Well, let's talk about the third district in the Kansas City area, which is home to the one and only Democrat in Kansas's congressional delegation, Sharice Davids. Uh, the Republican Party would really like to get rid of Sharice Davids in the next election, um, and their way to do it would be to carve up her district to make the demographics very unfriendly to her. Uh, so, all of that to say that we finally got drafts of maps introduced this week, and they look about what you'd expect them to look like. Uh, Republicans have introduced their map, which they are calling Ad Astra, because of course they did, uh, which does a number of things. It puts Lawrence in Douglas County, of course reliably blue communities, into the big first congressional district, one of the most conservative districts in the country, um, and meaning that Lawrence would share a congressional district with bustling metropolises like 
Tribune, Kansas. Uh, population 804, a city so far west from Lawrence, it is literally in a different time zone. Um, and it splits the Kansas City area uh, by putting part of Wyandotte County into the second congressional district with cities like Topeka and keeping the rest of Kansas City in the third district. So remember all that stuff we talked about earlier about communities of interest, not uh, you know preserving political subdivisions, all that stuff. Yeah. So needless to say, there's some challenges uh, with this map. Uh, not to mention that, oh yeah, by the way, there were weeks of public comment um, where legislators got to hear from citizens um, and get their input on what they thought maps should look like. And as Senator Dietrich uh, mentioned last night, the preference express, expressed by a lot of these communities, or a lot of these citizens, was keeping communities together and not making some of these dramatic changes. Um, now look again, I get it, political parties are gonna party, but come on. Let's at least be a little realistic about this. Uh, for their part, Democrats have introduced their own maps, one called Simply United, uh, that was introduced by Senate Minority Leader Dinah Sykes, which just makes some small adjustments to the current districts just to account for some population differences. Um, There's another one uh, called Buffalo 2, I think, that modifies the districts a bit more and actually reconstrues the 2nd Congressional District to be more based in Northeast Kansas. Uh, there's also a map that was developed by by Kansas League of Women Voters that was introduced. So there's a lot of maps that are making their way around in committee. Um, my guess is the Ad Astra map is what's probably gonna win out in some form. Uh, today, Thursday, uh, the legislature is actually gonna be holding hearings to review the maps, and I will bet they will get earful um, people, from people that day. Uh, so again, that's why it pays, uh, pays to listen in. Rather, you're uh, listening in on the YouTube broadcast on the legislature's website or following that KSLedge hashtag on Twitter. And that, folks, is it as enough uh, for now. So stay tuned. After the break, we have State Representative Fred Patton on. So we're going to talk to him about all manner of issues in front of the legislature uh, right now. So go ahead um, and stay tuned. You are listening to Ballots and Brews on KSF 75 Live Radio. All right, folks. Well, the Kansas Legislative Session is off and going, of course, and so we are going to continue our talk with members of Shawnee County's legislative delegation. So tonight, uh, we get to step over to the House side of things, and we get to talk with State Representative Fred Patton. Fred, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Angel. Yeah, absolutely. So so as we get started tonight, of course, we, we have to ask, uh, do, do you miss the zoo lights already? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, so what we started, we started putting zoo lights up at the zoo in like July, but volunteers, we started in September. And so it was oh, a weekly gosh. thing of us would be out there. And then what, from like November 17th until Christmas, there were a couple nights I missed, but I was out there most nights. So it's, I miss it, but it's nice to, nice to have it over too. I was going to say, you get that first night we were at home and you're like, well, well now what? <laughs> yeah, what do you do in the evening? I don't remember right. the evenings. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, gosh, you know, well, now you are, now you're you're back to work in a lot of different ways, of course, with the legislative, uh, legislative session kicking off uh, this last week. Can you remind folks uh, what committees you're on this year? Yeah, were any sure. any changes when you got here? I feel like it's like kids getting their schedule for the first day of yeah, school. Right. <laughs> any changes for you this year? So uh, I still chair House Judiciary and House Rules Committee. So that's where I spend the bulk of my time. Um, I'm also on uh, House Corrections and Juvenile Justice. And then while I was on redistricting last year, we really didn't meet much. Um, oh, sure. And so that's new for me this year. Uh, we're, we're meeting every day over lunch. So redistricting committee is going to take up a lot of time, too. Absolutely. Now, I can remember, have you been in the legislature for a redistricting process before? I have not. No. I, so I came in in 20, I guess I ran in 2014, came in 2015. Okay. So, so I have not. Um, and there's not many, many who have. I mean, you know, you talk about term limits and that kind of stuff, but the turnover in the Kansas legislature yeah. is significant. I mean, there's just a handful of people that have ever experienced redistricting. Absolutely. Which I imagine there's, there's probably pros and cons to that. Yeah, no, I, I think so. I think so. Too. Yeah. Now, of course, they were busy uh, this summer uh, with lots of different public meetings and things like that. Did you have a chance to, to sit in or listen to any of those sessions at all? I, I did. Um, so I went around the state to most of the meetings. Some of them I, I zoomed in, but most sure. of them I was at. And then we did another round of, um, you know, virtual meetings. I don't know. Was that early December, I think? So, yeah, yeah I, if I wasn't there, I certainly watched them or and I went back and watched them. So, so yeah. Pretty good. Well, you know, we, we talked about this with Senator Dietrich last week, too. But any any kind of themes or things that, that stuck out to you, you think, in, in hearing some of the input that people had? I, 
you know, you just often hear that, you know, community of interest, keeping, you know, people that have have similarities together. And, and I, I think that certainly makes sense, whether it's cities or counties or, you know, groups of people, that kind of stuff. We need sure. to look at that. And then, you know, the numbers, it's a numbers game. It, sure. it, it, we simply look at the, the data and determine where to draw the lines, in my opinion. And that doesn't mean you throw everything out and start over. Just kind of massage the lines where you need to to make sure population's equal and, and go from there. I'm sure it won't be that simple, but it's, <laughs> it's, it, it sounds so simple in theory. I know, right? <laughs> that's what, well, that would be an interesting process to watch. And you made a great point too about there being a lot of people who are, who are new to that process. So that'd be interesting yeah. to watch uh, for sure this year. Right. Well, and of course this last week too, with the start of the session comes uh, the governor's state of the state address uh, that she gave this last Tuesday. Uh, you know, when you think about the speech, any, uh, any big takeaways uh, for you from the speech? You know, I mean, I, I agree with her that, you know, the state of, of Kansas, at least financially and, and, you know, where we are as state government, we're in a really good spot. Best spot we've been at since I've been there. I mean, there's, you know, you could argue back and forth what the reasons for those are, but, but we have more money in reserves than we've had in decades. Sure. Uh, so that's going to present some new challenges, right? What do you, what do, you do with that reserve? Do you, right. do you pay it all back? Do you spend it on new stuff? Do you pay off some debt? Um, I'm guessing it'll be a combination of those things, but, um, uh, we're in a good spot. Not only, not only did we hear from the governor, we also heard from the chief justice the same day, which yeah. I, I read was like the first time in Kansas history. We had both updates on the same day. <laughs> it was the first time we had, you know, females in both of those spots. Yeah. So that was really cool to kind of watch. And, you know, you get, that's the neat thing about this role is you kind of get to be there to watch history sometimes. And that, that was a fun day. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You make a, a great point with Chief Justice Luger giving that, that speech earlier today. Any, any takeaways from, from her remarks? You know, uh, again, I mean, the, the courts have been in an awful situation, just like a number of things with COVID. Sure. Um, and, and they've worked hard to overcome them. I mean, we still have a backlog of cases, but they're trying really hard to get caught up. And um, we've we've done some targeted, you know, they've asked for some some money in certain areas and we've we've been able to give them those dollars and they've done some good things with them. So I was pleased with her report as well. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that, that the governor talked about her state of state address was kind of her kind of closing note was sort of this appeal to, you know, civility and, and, and bipartisanship and, and that sort of thing. You know, do you, do you think that do you think that that's possible this year? You know, do you think, of course, we're in an election year uh, as well. But, you know, that's so that always increases and heightens things a little bit. But, you know, do you do you think that we're, we're going to be able to complete this? This session, you think, in a, in, a, in a way that's at least a little bit more harmonious than most of the past or, or will it be the pretense? Well, I mean, that's my hope. I always go in hopeful that we're going to get along and work together for what's best for Kansas. Uh, but you're, I mean, it is an election year. And so you've got you know, people in the building running for office. You've got outside forces, you know, consultants and those kind of things. But I, a lot of the stuff we do generally agree on, you know, we want lower taxes, less regulations, a strong workforce. And we just have to come to some agreement on, on how you do those kind of things. And you know, let's just be civil and, and work hard to come up with something. We're not all going to get what we want. Right. If we work together, we'll come up with something reasonable and it's good for Kansas. Absolutely. Well, speaking of, speaking of some of those hows, you know, looking at a couple of different uh, issues that, that have already um, began, you know, there's actually towards the end of last week, the, there was officially a bill uh, introduced, bipartisan bill, uh, to eliminate the state sales tax on yes. food, which of course is a big, big cornerstone of the governor's proposal. And it's something that, that a lot of people have wanted uh, now for a while. Uh, you know, what are the odds that you think that not only that the bill, I think most people agree that the bill can make it through, but what are the odds of it making it as a clean bill to the governor's desk, do you think? Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch what happens in the tax committees. I mean, there's you know, you, you've got to have hearings on, on every bill, right? And, and you know, poke holes in bills and try to figure out what the issues are. Um, I don't know if it comes out clean or not. I mean, you've got to look and see, you know, what ramification does that have on local governments who also have sales tax on foods and, and you know, just how do we want to, I guess, spend these extra reserve dollars we have. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly that we should do something on food sales tax. It's extremely high. Um, it's gotten higher since I've been in the legislature. When I first got there, the body voted to raise sales taxes. I did not vote for it, but the body <laughs> did. Um, and, and anything we can do to lower sales tax, we need to. So um, uh, certainly going to keep an eye on it and we'll see, we'll see what comes out of that committee. Sure. So, and you know, one of the other things too, looking at the, the continuing response to COVID-19, 
2019. So, of course, last year he chaired the, the special committee that looked at the Kansas Emergency Management Act um, as it relates to COVID. And uh, this COVID thing turns out just won't quite leave us alone. Uh, so, you know, we are, of course, back in, in a spike of cases now um, around the state. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're now seeing the, you know, kind of impact as people are, are working through uh, kind of what some of those, those changes and whatnot look like um, in the to that act. Uh, do you think that those changes have been effective and are, are letting communities kind of handle COVID in the way that they need to be? Or do you think there's any updates that, that are needed in the future? You know, I, I think for the most part, it's working. Um, and in fact, we're going to see that tomorrow in the chamber. I guess whenever this plays, we'll see it at some point this week. Um, we, we, you know, we've got an issue with the shortage of staff and hospitals and nursing homes. And so the governor put in place an executive order to allow some flexibility on licensure and those types of things. And so tomorrow um, we're going to take up a bill that will will put those changes into effect on a on a temporary basis. But but it, what it to me, it shows is that we put in a process process last year and this process is going to work. Um, the governor declares an emergency, says what needs to happen, and the legislature comes in and quickly responds. And so hopefully um, we get that to the governor's desk by the end of the week and the disaster declaration can expire and uh, hospitals and nursing homes can still have that flexibility with their staffing. And so we've kind of seen that across all areas of government by no means saying that what we put in place is perfect. There may need to be some tweaks over time. I just don't want to just jump in and change everything again, right? I mean, give give people some time to figure out if the changes that we put in place are working. And if there needs to be tweaks, certainly let's, let's go back and tweak them. But um, there's no reason to overhaul everything again. Well, people, people are still trying to figure out the changes that we implemented last year. Sure. Sure. So, you know, one of the issues, of course, that's attracted a lot of attention, there's a lot of these carryover issues, of course, that come from year to year. Um, and so one of, one of them that is back this year is this issue of medical cannabis, uh, which is, of course, is, is something that I feel like I'm learning about more all the time. Right. Uh, and it's an issue that's, that's always constantly changing. And there's actually some some progress made uh, uh, in this area last year. Yeah, so this issue comes back up for a discussion this year. Uh, where do you see that issue going at this session? So fairly late in the session last year, that bill actually passed out of the House. So it's yeah. moved over to the Senate. Um, I think it was going to be set for hearing this week in the Senate. But I read uh, I read over the weekend that the Senate president referred it to, a, I don't remember what committee, like interstate cooperation or ah. some committee like that, a committee where things usually go to die. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch how the Senate handles that on that on their side. And, and just because the bill's over there, that doesn't mean we wouldn't have another one on our side. Sure. Um, it, it, at this point in time, it looks like it's, it's bottled up for a little bit, but um, one that I certainly think is coming. I mean, we've, we've, we've lessened restrictions. We've added CBD oil. I mean, those right. kinds of have happened um, over the last couple of years. So I would say it's coming. Um, I just don't know when, and I, and I want to make sure when we do it, you know, we have, it, it's clear for everybody what, what the, the rules are, law enforcement and individuals and doctors and those types of things. So it may take a little bit more work, um, but I, I certainly think it's something we're going to continue to work on and, until it does happen here in Kansas. Sure. You know, that, that clarity that you talked about, I think that seems to be one of the bigger challenges, especially for folks who are, are, are retailers and law enforcement, that sort of thing. I saw a report last night about, I think what's it called? Delta eight, which is yeah. apparently not marijuana. It's another, this just shows you how much I know about marijuana. There is it's a whole different strain apparently. And, and you know, that is constituted legally than, than, you know, full chain. So just uh, helping people navigate, uh, you know, what's what in, in and of itself seems to be a challenge there. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you're yeah, looking at another issue, of course, that people are anxious to see come back uh, is sports gambling. Uh, yes. so, of course, nationwide, that is a hot topic uh, right now. Go Chiefs, by the way, speaking of sports, just have to throw that out there. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's a lot. There were you know, a couple of different bills that you're going to pass that have been introduced on this. You know, where do you see this issue going this, this legislative session? That's another one that I'm surprised we've not done yet. You know, lots of our surrounding states have. Um, it just always seems to get bogged down with, with other issues. Issues. You, know, you talked about a clean bill for sales tax. This this is an, another one of those that it, it could be casinos or, or dog racing or you name it. It seems to get tacked on and and just kind of muddies the water. And as that happens, more and more people fall off because they either don't want to, you know, have another casino in Sedgwick County or they don't want to have dog tracks or those types of things. And so it it it, it just slows it down and it doesn't go anywhere. Um, I, I don't know if I had to guess, I'd say that in some manner does happen this session, but 
again, it's really early. So you have to have to watch what happens and um, see, see if, see if we can come to an agreement, get something past both chambers. Sure. Well, and this one, you know, this issue is sort of similar to a cannabis issue. It's, it's interesting that there's a balance there of, of passing something that's also not going to really run afoul of uh, some federal laws, probably because there's right. some federal wire, wire fraud laws and things like that right. that are really antiquated, but could conceivably trip people up if you don't, if you don't uh, kind of construct things correctly. Right. Right. Yeah, so many of these things look, sound super simple, right? Yeah. I mean, you should just be able to do it, but it just does not work that way. Unfortunately, sometimes. Yes, well, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, sometimes our, our, our legal structure was written so long ago that some of this new technology sometimes hasn't quite caught up to to the law yet. Right. Yep. Yep. Well, of course, yeah. Before we uh, let you get out of here today, we have to have a little bit of fun. Uh, so, uh, you know, Fred, of course, we know you are involved in a number of things uh, throughout the Topeka community. So, we have a little game of this or that uh, to play with you. That's going to pit some of your favorites against each other. If you're ready for that, I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So, our our first question for today is: Who would you rather watch play a game of football? Either your beloved KU Jayhawks or the Seaman High School Vikings. Yeah, you know, I don't give up on my Jayhawks, and so I'm always there cheering them on. But um, it's just, it's really fun to go to a high school football game, right? Yeah. Watching the team play, which which is a good time, but you're surrounded by you know friends and neighbors, and so if I had to pick, I'd say you know go 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 Vikings and, and uh, hang out in, in in the stadium there and, and see everybody. It's a good time, you know, once a week or every other week to see what everybody's up to and, and cheer on our team together. So I'd pick the Vikings. Good, good. That's that's a good choice. I, I feel like you're. I feel like you'd be in good company there for uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, of course, one of the things that people know about you too is that you do like your social media. You're very voracious. I would say social media uh, consumer. Uh, if you had though to give up one social media account, which would it be? Either Facebook or Twitter. Uh, that's actually a pretty easy one for me. Well, pretty easy. I, I would say Twitter. Sure. Uh, Facebook, you know, that's where we go to share pictures of our cats and our kids. And, you know, good things are happening, or at least for the most part. You know, there's there's a little bit of political divide and and all that ugliness that comes with that on Facebook. But I see more of that on Twitter, and it would sure be nice if we didn't have that. But on the other hand, um, I like that. You know, I'm super busy with the stuff I'm doing all day long in the Capitol that there's times I don't know what's going on in other parts of the building. Right. And it's really easy to hop on Twitter and, you know, type in hashtag KS ledge right. about it. So from a, an education standpoint, I probably learn more on Twitter, but I, I enjoy Facebook and the, the fun happiness that comes with it, which I just don't see on Twitter. So if I had to pick one, I'd go with Facebook. That, that is a fair choice. Twitter, man, Twitter, some days, depending on what's going on, Twitter can be a, a huh. interesting place. Yeah, <laughs> some <right>. days. <laughs> uh, Lord, the sixth question, uh, which would you prefer to do? Either hang Christmas lights at your house or help hang lights at the Topeka Zoo? That's an easy one. At the zoo. Uh, <laughs> in fact, yeah, my, my wife gives me a hard time that, you know, I spend all this time out at the zoo hanging lights and I don't put them up at home. Like I was going to ask. <laughs> uh, she does them some years or we'll get our kids out there. I, For one, now I'm not even home during Christmas. I spend the, the you know, night. so who cares if we have lights on at the house? But um, no, I, I, it's it's fun. And anybody out there who wants to help put up lights, we just have a blast doing it. Um, there you go. We just kind of hang out with, again, friends and neighbors and, you know, at my house, it's the kids and I and my wife and we're probably yelling at each other as we're it's not right. we don't at the zoo it's just a good time so I'd say the zoo that's awesome that's awesome uh, see, which uh, which activity consume more of your time uh, serving on the Seaman school board or serving as a state legislator Oh, definitely legislator. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, between January and May or June, that's kind of my life day and night. Yeah. Uh, School board, certainly. Uh, and, and I, you know, I've been off now, what, six, seven months, but it, it, it does take a lot of time, a lot more than I think anybody believes it does. Or, sure. or, uh, but, but definitely legislature takes up more time. Oh, no, sure. I could, I could totally see that. Uh, and of course <laughs> we have to ask you with everything going on, which do you prefer to manage your time? The paper planner or some kind of electronic device uh electronic i hung on to the paper planner <laughs> as long as i could yeah. um, and now actually so 
most of the year I'm all, all electronic, you know, it's on my iPhone and my laptop or, or whatever. Um, during the legislative session, I do carry along a legal pad though. <laughs> when I'm trying to schedule stuff in my committees, um, oh, I sure. use a legal pad and a pencil. I mean, it's the only time of the year I use a pencil too. Uh, <laughs> so it's not really a planner, but I, I, I do carry that thing around cause it helps me map out when we're going to hear bills and that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, most of the time it's, it's some sort of electronic device. That's right. For our younger audience, a pencil is this thing <laughs> with lead at the end. It has an eraser too. Like right? you can it upside down. It's crazy, crazy it's, tool. Right. You didn't have to do autocorrect. It was great. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fred, thanks for, for covering some time out of your schedule to spend some time with us tonight. Absolutely. Anytime. Awesome. Awesome. Well, folks, let's out there. Remember to stay tuned. After the break, we'll wrap things up with our take action moment of the night. You are listening to Ballads and Brews here on KSEP 75 Live Radio. folks we're gonna finish things up as we always do tonight with our take action moment of the night uh first just a general reminder as you can tell things are rocking and rolling uh with the kansas legislative session so now is really a great time to head to kslegislature.org um, and to find links to where you can listen in um, on that web page to either audio um, from floor proceedings um, or committee meetings or even uh, watch committee meetings and floor proceedings live uh, via the legislature's youtube page um, if you don't want to look like a huge nerd in the office, just tell everyone that you're listening to like a true murder podcast or something like that. Um, if you really want the nitty gritty um, and often snarky and sassy side of what's going on, uh, checking out the KS Ledge hashtag, that's hashtag KSLEG um, on Twitter is a seriously great way to keep up with things. Uh, a shout out to all the lobbyists and governmental relations uh, folks out there who are doing uh, yeoman's work um, on Twitter, getting information out uh, for people to be able to keep up with everything because things do move at such a fast pace. Um, another thing to pay attention to is at the city level. Uh, one thing I didn't mention earlier is the city council actually did approve the scope of work uh, this week to advertise for a search firm that will help us pick the next uh, city manager. So that timeline is going to start moving along um, on that city manager search over the next couple months. Uh, as we mentioned before, the city manager is essentially the CEO of the city. So it's a pretty huge and uh, important role. Um, therefore, it's really important for city council members to hear from the community about what we want in a city manager. Um, so as a reminder, you can email the entire city council at once um, by emailing council at topeka.org. Uh, that gets you everyone, including Mayor Padilla, all at once. Uh, to find your individual city council members' contact information, you can just head to topeka.org slash city council. And that, folks, is it for our show tonight. Um, as always, be sure to like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Ballots of Brews if you uh, at Ballots Brews if you don't already. Uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us on there. Leave us a review, a review if you like what you're hearing. Um, and until next week, please, please, please stay safe and healthy. Uh, drink some good beer, and we will see you next week on Ballots of Brews here on KSF 785 Live Radio.